0: You're listening to the Career Jump podcast. Insights, interviews and success stories to inspire and give you the edge when you make your next career jump. Hosted by your career concierge, Andrew McCaskill. Hello and welcome to the Executive Career Jump podcast. I'm your host and career concierge, Andrew McCaskill. And I'm delighted today to be joined by Duncan Strachan. Thank you very much
1: for joining us, Duncan. Hi, Andrew. Thanks very much for inviting me. Yeah, Duncan Strachan, uh, pay-as-you-go marketing consultant. Yeah, Lovely to have you. And I noticed before we started the call that we've
0: got 568 shared connections on LinkedIn. So a well overdue conversation. And it's nice to take our uh, online relationship offline as well. So good to talk.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think for me, you know, being a job seeker and moving into consultancy in the last 11 months, one of the things that's really had a lot of value for me is having these kind of Zoom calls with people. And I think it really does help to deepen relationships. I think people are, there's kind of two sides to the argument in terms of Zoom. Is it, you know, cheaper than or or not as meaningful as a face-to-face conversation? But I think personally, you know, when so many of us have been starved of human interaction, having a Zoom call has been absolutely fantastic. and, And you get a window into people's worlds really quickly. And I think where it's worked really well for me is just having having repeated calls with people as well it's not a one and done you know when you build a rapport with someone uh, you know it, it just deepens that relationship and you want to have uh, you know deeper conversations and and, and really support them on their journey well certainly happy
0: to take this forward with some more calls as well uh, by way of follow-up to make sure it's not a uh, a one and done situation just um, to give us some more context before we dive into rack your brains on everything from linkedin to personal branding and pay as you go and everything else Tell us a little bit about your own journey from a career perspective and and where you're up to today.
1: Yeah, sure. So. I've got 18 years marketing experience. And I think my career has kind of gone through kind of three kind of disparate stages. Uh, You know, I had 12 years kind of permanent experience. um, And the key part of my permanent career was working for a company, HomeServe, Home Emergency Insurance Company. Uh, They're based in Walsall. I live in North Birmingham. Uh, And I was there for four and a half years working in their retention team, wrote a suite of renewal documents for them that generated a 4.15% uplift. That was worth a million pounds. So, you know, real proof points of my kind of copywriting prowess. Uh, So had the kind of permanent stints. Uh, then I kind of fell into contracting um, and I was a marketing contractor for six years uh, and that gave me wonderful exposure. I worked for Barclays a couple of times, uh, Jaguar Land Rover, power um, and I've worked at the SMEN. There's a bank called Unity Trust Bank, which is a commercial bank with a social conscience based in Birmingham that I was lucky enough to be invited back to there as well. And most recently, I worked in the pharmaceutical sector for McKesson. So the contract period was really great in terms of giving me exposure to big brands, but also, uh, you know, you being tested the whole time, the whole point of kind of ethos of a contractor is the ability to be able to go in, make an immediate impact, hit the ground running. And uh, to be a a marketer that gets consistent kind of contract employment in the Midlands, you have to be able to wear uh, quite a few different hats and have quite a few strings to your bow. So my last contract, which was with McKesson, that was internal communications focused, but the previous one at Unity Trust Bank, you're working as part of a marketing team of six and they're saying, we want to raise the profile of the brand and we don't have a PR agency in place. So I'm writing the press releases myself picking up the phone speaking to all the media outlets securing the coverage i launched facebook and instagram for them so doing stuff on social media as well so there's a real kind of breadth of experience And then you work at barclays or jaguar land rover you're part of big virtual teams and the role becomes more kind of quasi project management um, and i'm a prince to practitioner project manager as well which is something that recruiters have told me to kind of put to the side at the moment because we've all got to focus on on our niche and the, you know what our kind of core strengths are but then the last part of the journey is really where I am now. In terms of November time, I launched my own consultancy business, and that was a result of me being very active on LinkedIn. So, uh, you know, from last year, March 2020, uh, I've posted really regularly on the platform. I think I'm just over the the 130 post mark now, and. Some businesses approached me as a result of the activity that I was doing saying, would you be interested in doing some short term consultancy work? And I thought, yeah, absolutely. Jump at the chance. And, uh, you know, from that, this kind of pay as you go marketing proposition formed. um, And it seems to be in the sweet spot for businesses of a certain size, certainly with all the uncertainty that's going on right now.
0: Yeah, no, very much so. And that breadth that you've got prints to comms, PR, marketing strategy, really appeals to SMEs, doesn't it? Because they want somebody who can Absolutely.
1: I mean, the whole point of the pay as you go proposition is it's no contract. It's no retainer. You know, you only pay for what you what you receive or what you need. And I think with SMEs, you know, they don't want or they can't necessarily afford someone for 12 months right now. But if they could get someone for three weeks, uh, you know, that's got the requisite skill set and experience and can bring, bring the kind of benefit of that big brand uh, rigor test and learn approach, uh, you know, to bear for a smaller SME. I think that is really valuable right now. It's, uh, you know, everybody wants more bang for their buck. And, uh, you know, I'm certainly uh, hoping to provide it with the, with the pay-as-you-go marketing service. No, yeah, no, it's been really
0: interesting. We've seen a few clients in Executive Career Jump and also just um, in the LinkedIn ecosystem
1: go with this on-demand type approach. I think it's the way the world's going. I I really do. I mean, I think you know we we look at careers and kind of job certainty. That the days of a job for life uh, are probably long behind us. Uh, You know, and I think as the world becomes kind of more transactional and and fragmented, I think people will use people that have got that skill set on a kind of short-term burn. And uh, you know, for me, that's certainly something I'm I'm comfortable with. I think the challenge is obviously just getting started. And I think you know I built really great momentum in November, December, got some good clients, and it was all going. Uh, But when we're going flitting between kind of lockdown and not locked, non-lockdown. I think that does kind of uh, slow the momentum slightly, but hopefully, you know, just keeping doing what I'm doing and the approach that generated that initial contact from clients. Um, I think if you can maintain consistent in your voice and and what you post about and what people engage in, then hopefully that will, uh, you know, that will drive more interest. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it will. So a lot of our listeners, uh, job seekers, leaders in transition people who are looking to attract in a new employer and everybody's telling them to use LinkedIn. Now, we're both big uh, users of the platform, spend a lot of time there. And you mentioned earlier that you've, you know, over a hundred posts and you've been really consistent with it. I'm wondering what kind of learnings and advice you would give off the back of your experience so far.
1: Yeah, well, I think the, the first thing I would say to anyone on LinkedIn is, Track the performance of your posts. I mean, that is that that is the key thing for me as a marketer, test and learn background. You know, that's absolutely the, the first thing to do. There's a lot of people that say, you know, obviously LinkedIn, it's just, uh, you know, you're putting seeds in the wind. Some land, some don't. I don't really believe that. I think there are uh, techniques and content topics and format formatting tactics that you can use that will drive you know kind of higher engagement obviously i think everything in the end comes down to the value of the content that you're you're putting out there and you do have to think in terms of the value to your network as much as you all want to target you know an end user uh, uh, an employer or or you know your next your next uh, career move i think it's always the big question are those people looking and then ultimately how do you make yourself visible enough to be seen by that audience and i think that's where my approach may differ from other people because i think i see a lot of people pushing the kind of get found get hired model which is just saying post consistently around your niche you know demonstrate the value that you add and by doing so you will in the end inevitably by a war of attrition find your target employer who will hire you and that is probably a perfectly good way of using linkedin but i think the thing that i do that maybe sets me apart is that i think much more in terms of the value that i can add for my network because i think that power of advocacy and you know if we're talking about kind of personal brands as a marketer you know your brand advocates your biggest brand advocates are going to be the people in your network that you're dealing with day to day and it's what's going to encourage them to go out of their way to try and help you to find your next opportunity is it going to be about you just posting relentlessly about your skill set and how brilliant you are or is it about posting about shared experiences um, and ways that you can add value for other people and I think We have a tendency with LinkedIn to become a bit one-dimensional. We focus purely on what we vocationally do. But what we know is we all work on three levels. So, you know, there's what we vocationally do. But we're also fellow professionals and we're human beings. And I think it's we can serve each of those facets of our personality through what we post and how we interact with people on LinkedIn. Sorry, it's a bit of a long winded answer. But I think the the kind of key thing as well is it's not just about posting. I think that's the big misconception. You know, I started out on LinkedIn. If you look at my activity kind of pre-March 2020 to now, I started out on LinkedIn probably very similar to a lot of people. All of my posts were very self-serving. It was just talking about my own achievements and, you know, promoting whatever business I was working for at the time. I never really commented on anybody else's posts. And, you know, hand on heart, I probably looked back down on people who did. For me, it all felt a bit kind of desperate and needy and attention-seeking. But thankfully, through this experience of the last 11 months, all of those preconceptions have been uh, proven to be completely false. And, you know, my biggest realisation about LinkedIn is that, It's not just a broadcast platform, you know, it is a community and a social network. I mean, you talk about an ecosystem and I think you've got to be there for other people consistently. And I think if you do that, then that's where the reciprocity comes from. So while I'm also a big advocate of posting regularly, and I think that's absolutely vital, it's who are you commenting on? You know, who's posting commenting on? Who are you trying to support in? You know, I can see when someone puts a what you would deem a flare post out, you know, it's a no brainer for me to comment on that because I can see the intent behind why they're doing it. But also I think, you know, you see posts where people are open to work, you know, will say I'm looking for work and I'll put a comment on there, but it won't just be a kind of throwaway sharing for my network. You know, it will be, I'll take a bit of time to look at the post and say, what is the specific job title that that person's asking for? And put all of that in my comment. I don't know algorithmically whether it makes a difference, but I think people know uh you know when you are going over and above to try and help someone else and sometimes i'll say look if you're reading this comment please add a comment as well to try and help this person and i've had scenarios where i've been the first person to do that on a post on a weekend and then you know i'll see in a couple of hours that there's you know 48 people will have added a comment and a lot of them will be people that are in my network so it does make a difference but you have to have the mindset of saying i am going to do this and not be afraid about perception of people in your network you know sneering at you going oh what's he doing helping job seekers or everything else you've got to just get get rid of that kind of thinking and just think I'm here to help and I think the more you can do that and look beyond yourself to help other people certainly in my experience that's how I've got a lot out of the platform.
0: Yeah absolutely and the I do believe in the ecosystem word I use that word way too much and my clients kind of uh, take the mickey out of me sometimes about it the amount of times the word ecosystem comes out of my mouth but
1: what I mean by that? But it's is- true. It's true. I mean, I think you know, there's, there's no better way of doing it. I mean, I say the virtuous circle, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But, the, but the reality is, it is that key principle that it's a community first. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people, you know, kind of miss out on. They think I'm going to come on here and share my proposition with people and people are going to love it. You know, if I sell, 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 there'll be someone to buy. But I think it's much more about... How are you adding value for people? What's the kind of, what are you known for beyond your vocation? You know, are you known as a person that wants to help other people on the platform? Are you sharing advice freely? And I think that's the other key thing. You know, I probably went into LinkedIn thinking, I don't want to give away my trade secrets. You know, I'm a marketer, the value in what I do, you know, as with you as a career coach, with your job hack sessions on a Thursday, you know, should I give away all of my kind of knowledge and experience for free? And the answer actually on balance is yes, you absolutely should, because nobody is going to want to learn how to do your job through a LinkedIn post. They just wanna know that you're competent enough to do the job and sharing a bit of your knowledge and experience will give them the confidence that the, you know, they can hire you to do the job.
0: Yeah, I was advised against going out and sharing all of our playbooks and all of our advice on that by a number of people who generally cared about us, but I'm glad we ignored it. I'm glad we ignored it. But well, I think your, your
1: follower growth proves that that probably wasn't the, uh, the right strategy.
0: No, correct, and also, I mean, knowledge is nowhere near as the, that whole scarcity mindset doesn't really have a place in the current ecosystem knowledge is nowhere near as valuable now as it would have been 10 years ago because anyone can go on YouTube and find out how to write a CV anyone can um, go into Facebook and type interview tips and find out how to interview better right
1: so absolutely I think and I think that comes back to the kind of personal branding piece and where is your big differentiator there's a lot of people that offer pay as you go marketing services i've been on google i know about it you know there's a lot of career coaches out there so it's what do you stand for as a person you know that sets you apart and i think you know maybe in the early days of me on linkedin the the big differentiator was i was offering the kind of advice that you would be offering but i'm not a career coach you know so i don't have any kind of skin in the game in terms of the the stuff that i'm doing it's a pure kind of reciprocity piece and for me it's just I kind of fell into this market. My contract came to a premature end because of COVID and all of the usual stuff that I would have done on LinkedIn in terms of promoting myself and my skills and experience didn't bear any fruit. You know, there was, there were no takers. And I just thought, wow, this is tough. You know, this, this market is exceptional. And, you know, my initial instinct there was, well, if I'm struggling with the brands that I've got on my CV other people are going to be really struggling. So, you know, what can I do to try and help other people? And I thought I I was well qualified to do that in the sense that I've been a marketing contractor for six years. I've been to a heck of a lot of interviews, you know, so I'd learned some tips along the way. And I think it was just that sharing of that kind of stuff. It's that's what kind of started the whole ball rolling, you know, for me. And I think from there, it became, you know, learning more about LinkedIn and the platform and measuring what you do. And through that, I was able to kind of shine a little light on what was working for me that I could share with other people. And I think it's all of that kind of stuff. It's Finding topics that have kind of universal appeal as well, because I think there's always a danger that we become a bit of an echo chamber. So, you know, you've got a big audience and, you know, they're all you know, kind of job seekers and everyone will connect with each other and support each other's posts. And that's absolutely great. But what are the topics out there that would transcend a job seeker status? And for me, you know, LinkedIn is just something that everybody would want to know about. And I've certainly found that in terms of my strategy for connecting with new people is I share a 22 page guide, uh, you know, for driving engagement on LinkedIn. And obviously, you know, there's a percentage of people that don't look at it at all. But those that do and see the value in it and the fact that I'm giving it to them for free, you know, that builds a real instant kind of rapport and reciprocity, which has hopefully, touch wood, you know, generated some, uh, you know, traction on my posts. Yeah. Well,
0: the more you help people get what they want, the more you'll get what you want. Anyway, it's always been completely the uh, completely uh, agree. reciprocity. So. That's the irony of the approach that some are taking. So you obviously had an advantage, some would say, um, without question of being a well-qualified and talented copywriter and a marketeer. What would you have in terms of some basic advice for people who are about to start their posting journey on LinkedIn who don't have your marketing credentials?
1: I think the kind of key things for me are, you know, less is definitely more. Um, I think, you know, from all the kind of research I've done around the platform, I did a poll uh, last year saying how do people access LinkedIn? And I think 66% said it was via mobile phones. And I think that's absolutely crucial because... So much of the content I read it, and and you see these kind of carousel posts and everything, and I'm like I'm squinting, I can't I can't read the text and everything else. So gear everything that you do for a mobile mindset. That would be you know the, the kind of rule one. And I know you know you follow this approach as well with the format of your post, but keep things as short and sweet as possible. And when you're laying out a post, text posts work better than anything else in terms of wider engagement and traction. So if I'm writing a text post i have a short punchy capitalized headline and i've analyzed performance of more my, my posts my top 10 performers have got an average of 3.5 words so less is definitely more there but you want short sentences lots of white space around them just make it digestible i mean there's nothing more of a turnoff for me than when i'm looking at a post and it's three big block paragraphs i just haven't got the time to read it and that's that's the big challenge i mean Every other format as well, you you can look at it with the same kind of mindset and through the same lens doing videos. So, you know, I I had a rule that said, well, your video shouldn't be longer than two minutes. Well, I've put a video out today. It's two minutes 16. It's not doing particularly well. That's probably why. It's it's those kind of things. You always have to think, you know, time is short. Attention spans are short. People want to help you, but you have to make sure that it's snackable and digestible. I think that's, uh, you know, the kind of key thing for me. I I design a lot of my kind of document posts on Canva um, and I've got some rules of thumb with that that i don't well there's a there's a linkedin post format which is 1200 by 1200 pixels which you can select on the drop down that is the one to go for on mobile it's really punchy really high impact i think it looks a bit weird on desktop but more people are using mobile but then if i'm producing you know one of those carousel posts it's just really basic things like i don't go much below font size 40 because it's just, it's easy to read kind of and scannable. So it's, uh, yeah. there's there's two schools of thought on all of it. I try and make my posts as user-friendly as possible. If I'm doing a video, I always include subtitles. I think that can hurt your engagement because there are people that can hover over your post, watch the whole thing and never have to physically click in the post. I've seen other people that obviously do videos without subtitles, but the risk you run with that is that it's just, it's a bit of a false promise. If you click on the video and you go, well, That was a waste of my time. Will you come back and watch the next one? So I think it's all of that uh, kind of stuff that really gears into it. But uh, consistency is obviously key as well. I think you've just got to keep, keep posting. Um, You know, I mean, at peak I was doing probably five posts a week. I'm probably down to more like three just because of, you know, coming up with the the ideas that I think will add value. You know, it it does become more challenging, but those are the big things. And and the last thing I've realized as well is there was a worry about repeating yourself. That was always, seen as a big fear for me oh I did a post six months ago which was about this topic I can never talk about it again but I think the reality is you know I produced this 22 page guide and I posted that in November and I thought well this is really the all I've got to say about LinkedIn engagement there's gonna be very little else that I can talk about but this year I've kind of chunked down that information and started playing it out in video and I've not seen a drop-off i I think there's and there's people that come to you that have been connections with me for a long time and saying oh that's great advice Duncan I'm like well I gave you this guide in November that told you all of that already but I think people don't remember anything I think that's the key thing it's people's uh, you know it's all we're all in a kind of short-term uh, memory space there's just so much information out there that I think you're you're perfectly legitimate in repeating you know kind of key messages as long as they're valuable and they help people yeah
0: Not not only is it legitimate, you should do it because that consistency builds trust with your audience, the consistency of message. I think everybody has a blocker that they need to come up with something amazingly original that's never been said before that would impress, you know, the brightest people in their industry. You you don't have to. If you're you're coming up with stuff that is serving other people and you're consistent with your, your pillars of what you're posting on, you'll tend to serve yourself absolutely fine.
1: Yeah. The, the only other thing I would say, and I've, I've looked at this recently is probably don't look to big influencers like yourself as a yardstick of what to post, because I think there's a different rule for someone who's got a huge following. I don't know inter- entirely how the algorithm works and whether it's all changing, but for me, it always seemed to be, if you got 20 likes in the first hour, that was the kind of platform to wider reach. Now yeah. it's going to be a lot easier for you to get that with a with a following of 70,000 than uh, you know me with my following of less than five. And I think it's We look at big influencer posts and I see a lot of these kind of listicle posts, which are like really lightweight. I mean, they'll say, you know, oh, how to make the most of LinkedIn post a lot or, you know, comment on other people's posts. But there's so little kind of meat in what they're saying, but they get two to 300 likes. So you go, oh, well, that must be what the audience is demanding. But if you look at that engagement as a proportion of their total follower count, it's actually really low. You know, and it's a lot lower than the engagement I was getting with, you know, my kind of sub 5,000 followers. So I think when you're kind of trying to build an audience to build traction, I wouldn't look at big influencers and say, I'll just copy their kind of really lightweight, uh, you know, kind of low detail model and expect to get the same traction. I've seen people try it, and it really does generate very little traction. I think it's much more about offering your kind of authentic self, sharing more of personal experience, and, and helping people to kind of get to know you and what you're really interested in, rather than just pulling five things which you could probably have got out of a marketing textbook or, you know, whatever business journal people would be looking at.
0: No, it's absolutely right. The authenticity is the important. You shouldn't look to emulate anybody. Learn from what's going on in there, but do you, I think is absolutely the, yeah, uh, the absolutely, right Hey everybody, it's uh, Andrew here. Just wanted to very briefly interrupt this podcast episode to tell you a little bit more about our Career Jump Club. So our Career Jump Club was created to help job seekers understand what they want and how to get it, right? So becoming a club member is a great move if you're looking to get the clarity and confidence in order to secure your next role. With the membership, you get a number of different things. So First thing you get is access to our online platform, which has over 30 videos, 40, 50 different templates, workbooks, and it takes you through everything from sort of understanding what you want to how to position your CV and LinkedIn, how to interview, how to close offers and negotiate better salaries, a full end-to-end job search course effectively for senior leaders. So you get that, you get a fortnightly group coaching call, um, which is with me and with the other members where we bounce around best practice, share slide decks, share techniques, and share the latest data on what's working for people. And you get to most importantly, become part of our closed LinkedIn group and our closed community. And in there's where the magic often happens because you get people referring each other into opportunity, supporting each other and just share it. And that's what it's all about. So if you're financially able and you'd like to invest in your job search, head on over to www exec exec career or one word forward slash club and you'll find the landing page and come and give it a go. We'll see you in there. Anyway, back to the pod. And the length is really interesting. You mentioned you know videos under two minutes. We're seeing not just in LinkedIn but across all social platforms the length of content getting shorter. When you look at YouTube, the amount of sub one minute videos that have been uploaded to YouTube in the last 6 months is more than at any other point in the history of the yeah. channel. Yeah.
1: So
0: everything's kind of getting shorter. I'm see- I'm also seeing people doing Twitter style length posts on LinkedIn.
1: So doing yes. Yeah, and I think, you know, anything can kind of catch fire, but I always look at them and kind of say what's your kind of like to comment ratio? because I think there's a lot of people that will get these posts that generate a huge amount of likes. And I don't know whether it makes a a massive difference in terms of reach, but, you know, you'll get thousands of likes, but very few comments. And I've always felt that if your kind of likes to comments ratio is closer, that is more meaningful kind of content that would hopefully go wider. I've got no evidence to back that up, but I always see, you know, you'll get, you know, picture posts of, you know, someone in a kitchen with a baby in a harness on a laptop and 2000 people have liked it, but very few people will have commented. And I think it's knowing how the scales really balance on that. I mean, I've been fortunate in a way that I've always had a lot of comments, uh, you know, in in proportion to, you know, the number of likes that I've had, but I don't know if the scales were different, whether that would make a massive difference. I mean, maybe you've got some experience of that.
0: Yeah. So the hierarchy is shares. If you write something that people share on. Yeah that disproportionately pushes that post on the platform so shares is number one The the more times your post is shared disproportionately the more you'll be able to see that's
1: interesting that is interesting because i've you know from what i've read they always said comments trumps everything else so but whether that's true or not i mean i've had posts that have been shared a lot and i'm sure invariably they are you know some of my most seen posts so i'm sure it certainly helps but i think it probably depends what you're sharing as well, because if you share a video, it's brilliant. You know, you have to see the video in the post. But if you share a text post, it's the law of diminishing returns, isn't it? Because they see less of the post when it's shared. You'll only see like the first line or whatever. And, uh, you know, they've got less to get kind of stuck into. So I think in the process of sharing, absolutely probably is you know the right thing to do from a from an algorithmic point of view. But I've always felt that comments is where the you know the real kind of traction came from yeah, it's people.
0: not so much that when they share it on that people can see it it's what that action the value yeah that tells says because what they're constantly doing with your post is they're adding a value to it based on the engagement that it's getting this yeah, is why yeah. people do all this silly stuff with engagement pods and all this silliness yeah. right where they're all going on and charging in and liking each other's stuff which yeah a lot of them you'll see thousands of likes and no comments for that reason So if if it's a true organic thing, so I've managed to avoid joining engagement pods and I don't plan on doing so anytime soon. But if it's a true organic thing, shares, what that in in the eyes of LinkedIn, the amount of credit it gives that post for somebody feeling compelled to, that they identify with it so much they feel like they should be sharing it on. Yeah, valued content. Yeah, exactly. So I always try and write one post a week that'll compel people to share it on. They'll identify with it so much. It's like I'm championing their voice to the point they'll feel like
1: i have to share this
0: because this- and
1: i think that's massively you know important i think that's that kind of emotional re- resonance and i i know you do these posts and they're very good in terms of you know directing towards employers saying you know we've got to change our ways here Call it out, yeah. um, you know and i think but the the value in that is that you're saying to your community well you know i support the cause that you want to support and i think that's you know it's it's that kind of uh, piece of, of being kind of a like voice uh, you know and, and, and kind of shared purpose which has you know real resonance I mean the, the the posts that I've done that have kind of gone into that space has all been about um, getting people in wider networks to support job seeker content so you know my, my most successful posts have been about things like the green banner which we won't talk about but in terms of just you know wider kind of issues affecting job seekers and the fact that it's not a spectator sport we all need to engage and, and a comment on a post can make a massive difference to how widely a job seeker post has been seen. And I think, you know, that is a message that I've done several times and I would continue to do so because, you know, in terms of my purpose, I feel, you know, I I started in the job seeker community. I still am, you know, a, a quasi member of it in terms of looking for consultancy clients, but I'm a big, you know, kind of champion having been through this exceptional market. It's something I'm really passionate about that, you know, we have to try and get people off the sidelines on LinkedIn to help people. And the point I always try and stress in my posts is that LinkedIn makes it so easy to help people, you know, it's a couple of seconds of your time could make a massive difference to someone else could get them a job, you know, and you know, where could you spend a couple of seconds of your time more effectively in the day? Absolutely. So really, really good
0: points. So just to finish the hierarchy off. So it's shares is the most is the biggest, but I wouldn't worry too much about that. Comments is by far the next biggest. Reactions, third, likes, fourth. So it- a simple like, which can be done just clicking through, has the lowest impact. So comments are huge, which is why both of us are always trying to
1: reply to as many comments as we can, as well. To you know, thank- oh, I think that's massive. Yeah, I, I think that's massive, and I, and I always see that with people. And I just think it's such a missed opportunity. You know, I mean, I had a couple of people speak to me in the last week saying, oh, something happened to the algorithm. You know, I'm, I'm not getting the amount of views that I used to get, you know, and, uh, you know, it's dramatically, you know, kind of re- reduced. And I see people when they do these these posts that kind of go big. And this is for people, you know, more at my level than yours. But when you get a post, it gets a lot of traction and you're just leaving the comments out there. And it's just like, well, what does that say to the other person? You know, it's basically saying. Thanks for commenting, but I have no interest in what you have to say at all. And that's not really how communities are built. You know, communities are built by responding to every comment. And you know, even if people come on and it happens, thankfully, really infrequently on LinkedIn, but you get people on, and the first thing they do is just try and tear down your point of view. You know, that's, it. that's their approach. It's like you know, oh, hope is not a strategy. That's one I had. You know, I put a post out about hope, and they're like, hope is not a strategy. And I'm like, okay, that's absolutely fine. And I'll always respond to these people and say, look. I completely understand your point of view uh you know i wasn't framing it as a strategy i was saying you know X, Y, Z. but you always want to end i try and end on good terms you know whatever conversation that i'm having um you know because there's a power in just them showing up and making a comment whatever they're saying if i respond to it it's going to have more of an algorithmic benefit for me than than just leaving them uh, you know in the dust so it's uh yeah it's it's all about that engagement really yeah well life would be boring if we agreed on everything wouldn't it so absolutely absolutely but i think that what kind of sets linkedin apart in the in the in the main, is that there is a an ability to have a kind of reasoned debate on something in a way that doesn't go, you know, for the throat, doesn't get personal, you know, and I think that's really where LinkedIn does seem to be a little bit more refined, uh, you know, which I certainly appreciate, and I mean, yeah, it would be boring if we all thought the same thing, but I think, you know, I'm always keen to open a conversation. I think that makes such a big difference. You know, my first comment on my own post is always a couple of questions, just saying, you know, please let me know in the comments and, and starting that. And I think that shows, you know, you don't have all the answers, it demonstrates humility, but also you want your posts to be um, a welcoming place where people feel like, you know, it's a good place to discuss topics. And, uh, you know, these kind of things make a real difference. You know, I'm not a big fan of the, you know, agree question mark closer on posts. Cause for me, it just feels a little bit off you know a little bit kind of uh, yeah, off, offhand for me. I, I'm I try and do things in a in hopefully a bit more of a kind of genteel way.
0: Yeah, I'll try and finish on a question if, if I can, but if not, then I'll just start the first comment with a question. Either way, you've got to encourage people. To engage and make it okay for them to do so, and yeah, exactly. I, 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 you
1: don't. None of us have all the answers, you know. And I think that's the brilliant thing. And and for me, in terms of you know just coming back to getting the most out of LinkedIn, I found those comment sections have sparked so many ideas for posts. Okay. You know, you do a response on someone else's post or on your own post, and you think, wow, there's a post in this, and and that just helps to drive it. So when people are saying, oh, I'm struggling, I don't have any ideas for posts, go on and comment on some other people's posts, and that will spark an idea for you, and and. and there are no new ideas we're all talking around similar topics i'm sure we've seen a million posts on resilience but it's that kind of spin that you can put on it based on your own experience or conversations that you've had that really brings it to life top tip
0: top top tip that talk to me a bit more about your experience shooting and distributing uh, your own video then how's that been and what advice would you have for people about uh to go that route the
1: algorithms liking video again from what i'm being told that's good that's good to know that's good to know yeah i mean from my perspective you know i did go a bit kind of upmarket my biggest kind of concession i'll actually show you is um is i got a sony zv1 camera which is uh you know it's it's supposed to be a blogging camera not but i know a lot about blogging but i just thought all the stuff that i was doing on linkedin the, the wonderful thing about the the world at the moment is there's sites like canva that really democratize kind of graphic design. You know, I can go on there with very limited skills and say, if I've got a couple of decent photos of myself or I look relatively professional, you know, and I use my marketing skills to kind of show a bit of moderation in only using a couple of fonts or, or everything else, you can produce stuff that looks pretty good. So I thought, well, I used to do videos in my early days, videos, we went back nine months, I was sitting here with my iPad, um, you know, and and producing these things. And, and I think there was a quality differential there. So, you know, the, the biggest kind of things that I've bought, I bought a ring light, you know, which I'm using now, which I'm not ashamed of, you know, I think they, these things do matter, um, you know, and if you're on a video interview, having good lighting and putting your best foot forward, both visually and, you know, in terms of what you're saying is massively important. So I think, you know, those concessions It's just about Making sure that whatever you use can give you a suitably quality output and, you know, don't put your first take up on as as your final video. I think that's the kind of key thing as well. I mean, I use a bit of software called Camtasia from TechSmith, which, uh, you know, you can buy. It's a one off license costs about £200 um, or just over and uh, I'd used that in a previous job and and I think the beauty of that is it really opens doors for you because you're not only can I share my own kind of you know face to camera views but I can do screen recording off the back of it as well so if I'm talking about other people I did a post today um, about a woman called Ayu in Malaysia who's grown her following this year from uh, a single follower to over 17,000 by looking beyond herself to try and help other graduates and I was able to you know do a screen grab of her kind of profile and the video that she was on over the weekend the LinkedIn live that I saw and I think it all Helps to kind of bring things to life. And I think that's where you can kind of move from being just purely trying to share your own advice, which, you know, there is a limited amount of, to becoming more of a curator of other people's content and saying, hey, this is something that I found interesting, which fits with my kind of worldview and narrative. It might be interesting to you too. And I think, you know, when we've got that kind of following your traction you know whatever my kind of following is i think we have got responsibility to kind of send the ladder back down um you know and try and help other people out and uh you know that's that's always what i'm trying to do but i think if we can all the more we can all connect and you know Join forces in terms of, you know, sharing the spotlight on other people. I think we've seen it. I'm sure you've seen it. It certainly benefits you. I mean, you've got such a kind of ardent support base in terms of your, you know, executive career jump club, and they will be going out to people that are saying they're open to work saying, well, have you been to Andrew's Thursday session? And, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And it comes back to that point that, you know, the people in your network are your biggest advocates. You know, you'll build. they will build your personal brand a lot more than anything that you or I could do you know, in a video or otherwise, you know, that's where the brand really lives and breathes. It's not gonna be just in what, you know, you say that you are, it's what people believe that you are based on their experience with you. And the action that you take. Absolutely. It all works. You know, it all, it all feeds in. And if you're doing things that are out of kilter with that, then, you know, you you will, you will pay the price. I mean, I think that's the other thing as well. A personal brand is never set in stone, you know, it's constantly evolving. You know, for me, my big watchword with LinkedIn is everything counts, you know, every comment, every DM, every post, it all has a weight. And I think if you, if you step off any particular part of the LinkedIn kind of process, you will suffer for it because, you know, it only takes one uh, to, to have not a fantastic experience with you. So it's a, it's a challenging one. Yeah. Well, if we had more
0: time, I'd go down the rabbit holes of talking to you about Piers Morgan,
1: the royal family and everything else at the moment. Oh, please don't get into politics and religion. But uh, but, you know, I mean, my, my view on that, just my two pence worth is. If someone's brave enough to admit that they were feeling suicidal, I think, you know, we should all lead with compassion first. And, uh, you know, I mean, I always find Facebook a really scary place to go because you just see the comments that people put on and you just wonder where where is our humanity going? And I think that's a big problem with, uh, you know, kind of social media more generally. Thankfully, I see LinkedIn as the kind of last bastion of how people should engage on, you know, social media with a degree of kind of respect. And uh, like I say, uh, you know, reasoned conversation rather than just uh, getting into kind of flame wars with people. Uh, but uh, yeah. but yeah, I just think, you know, empathy first. You know, we've all got a story. And I think that's a key thing for everyone. This job market has been so exceptional and so draining for so many people. And I know people that are part of your you know, kind of club that have been on the market the whole time Um, you know and I've had sporadic bits of work along the way but it's not been easy you know and it's not easy for anyone and I think hats off to everybody who comes on and you know shows up on LinkedIn and contributes and posts you know every week knowing how tough this has been and I think you know if anyone's watching this or listening to this it's just knowing that you know you can all help people on LinkedIn by doing the smallest of things and you know adding a comment to their post is such a massive gesture tremendous message and i think my favorite
0: event so far on linkedin this year was a guy called Stuart masson who did a post about the fact that he's on the borderline of being evicted and his young
1: family were going to be yeah i saw that what what happened there did did he get a job did that did that bear fruit he's still in the mix he's still in the
0: mix for a few things he will get hired and Ultimately, the compassion and empathy that the LinkedIn ecosystem showed to that post. For some reason, that post, he was brave enough to stick his hand up and ask for help. And
1: the guy had a million hits. That's amazing. That is amazing. But I think that, I mean, that's the last thing for me is just don't be afraid to ask for help on LinkedIn. I think we all see this as a sign of weakness. It's absolutely not. I mean, if I do posts promoting my own consultancy business, I always say on them, you know, if you could add a comment to help me get seen by the right people you know that's that and i think that's absolutely legitimate i don't do it on every post but i would do it on the ones that i think are really important to me and that you know i'm hoping to get some kind of uh, you know response off so it's uh you know, don't be afraid to ask for help and i think the community and you'll i'm sure you'll attest to this as well has changed 100 from you know what i saw on linkedin kind of pre-march i think so many people have been through this experience and have come out the other side and thought attitudes to LinkedIn have to change we have to approach it differently and it is a community it's not a broadcast platform to just say hey where I'm working's great or you know this is the latest certificate I've got there's a lot more to it and there's a lot more that we could do to actively help people right now. Yes very
0: very well said and let's make sure we maintain that ethos once the pandemic is finished and that we return to whatever comes next because I think, you know, it's brought out the best and the worst in people at times, but the best in LinkedIn has been so clear to see. And I really hope everybody maintains that. And yeah, thank you um, on behalf of the job seekers who listen to this for everything you've been doing to try and prop people up during this period. It's been really noticeable, which was why I was so keen to talk to you and have you on. For anybody that wants to reach out, whether they're looking to network or see some more of your content, or maybe they're looking to uh, engage with an on-demand
1: marketing director, how should they contact you, Duncan? What's the best bet? Yeah. I mean, on LinkedIn, Duncan Stracken, if you do a search for, you know, pay-as-you-go marketing communications consultant, you should find me. i always happy to connect uh, or be followed by new people or follow new people. But my website is pay you go marketing. It's paygmarketing.co.uk. So if people want to have a look on my uh, my website and check out some of my key career successes and sh- see that I can do what I say I can do, uh, then that would be absolutely great. But yeah, LinkedIn or, or the website paygmarketing.co.uk would be great.
0: Excellent. Well, all the best with the, uh, with the business and the on demand work that you're doing. And thanks again for all the time that you're spending on LinkedIn and the time you spent with us today. It's been great to talk to you. Cheers. Brilliant, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. You've been listening to the Career Jump podcast with Andrew McCaskill. For more resources and information, just head over to the Career Jump website at www.execcareerjump.com to supercharge your job search and start making moves. Let's get to work.